Hey there, it's Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR. Before we get into the next episode, I wanted to ask that you subscribe to the show. It'll help us get even more unique and interesting guests on the podcast and in turn continue to educate management teams and the growing ecosystem that creates value for fast-growing private and public companies. And while you're at it, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. Very much appreciated. You know, to your point, the companies that we work with, they inherently are ESG stories. Going from internal combustion vehicles to EV vehicles is inherently something that checks the box from an environmental perspective. And so I think they have arguably a bigger opportunity set, but also there's, there's more to it than just on the surface of doing, doing the right thing. There, there's some nuances that are emerging that I think are, are really interesting and we're helping our companies tell those stories. Being a public company can be hard. Small missteps can have outsized consequences. I'm Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR, and over the last 20 years, we've helped thousands of companies understand and navigate the stock market and the media. We'll demystify these and other increasingly complex stakeholder groups so you can focus on what you do best, building your company, and unlocking your true potential. This is Welcome to the Arena. Welcome to another episode of our new mini-series, ICR Industry Reports, where we profile some of ICR's leadership team and ask them what they're seeing on the front lines in their industries. This week, I sat down with Mark Silverberg, partner and head of ICR's Energy, Sustainability, and Modern Mobility Practice. This includes electric vehicles, battery technology, and renewable energy, among others. Mark joined ICR in 2015, bringing with him over 17 years of experience in the capital markets with Oppenheimer and Barclays. I spoke with Mark about the biggest challenges he sees facing companies that he works with today, how they think about the future, and how sustainability-focused companies can differentiate their ESG stories. Let's enter the arena with Mark Silverberg. I went to school in upstate New York. I usually like to leave it at that and let people assume I went to Cornell, but actually went to Binghamton University. Had a great time there, studied finance and management information systems. So came out of school, started my career as a consultant at Deloitte, working with investment management clients. And that was great, you know, place to kind of start my career, but um, was really looking to get more truly uh, involved in the financial markets. And so left to join Lehman Brothers about 18 months before, um, you know, the eventual bankruptcy there, but yep, great um, timing. Yep. As, as, as usual for me. So that was an interesting time, made it through probably 20, 25 rounds of job cuts from the time of the bankruptcy to the transition to Barclays. But my time at, at Lehman and Barclays was, was great. You know, I started out supporting one of the trading desks there and eventually transitioned to energy equity research. And so that's really where I spent a bulk of my career covering energy stocks from an equity perspective as an analyst. Uh, and so, you know, spent better part of my career working up the ranks there. Like any good sell sider, I thought the grass was going to be greener on the on the buy side, and so left to go help run a portfolio at Oppenheimer, uh, an energy focused portfolio as a as a buy side analyst. And I found again back to your comment of good timing. You know, if you were to kind of plot it on a graph of of energy prices, it was probably about the exact peak 
And so I think that combined with me just generally not liking to lose other people's money, realized very quickly that the buy side wasn't for me. And so happened to have actually known previous head of the energy group here at ICR for a number of years. And after some conversations decided that that could be a great place to kind of continue uh, the next phase of my, my career. About day 90, I think it was maybe day 92 after starting, she left the firm and then Tom, you and, and Don and others gave me a great opportunity to, uh, to take it over. And listen, you know, the group has certainly evolved, you know, maybe touch on what the group was and what it is today. Yeah. So been at ICR for a little bit over seven years now, and really for the first five years of that, maybe four, four and a half, four and three quarters of those years, you know, we, we, we said energy, but really it was a proxy for oil and gas. That's where the opportunities were. It's where the experience set was within the team and myself and so our client base and our expertise really was working with companies involved in, in fossil fuels, companies transporting oil and gas and pipelines and storing it and processing it, uh, refining it. And then the world started to change a couple months into the pandemic. You know, the energy transition was always was, was underway, but it was slow. And I think for a range of reasons, the pandemic really accelerated that. And so, you know, I think that shift in focus and opportunity set and investments in renewables and more clean forms of energy combined with, I think, what was going on with respect to the SPAC market and giving companies, especially early stage companies, the opportunity to raise capital and, and go public really just changed the game for the team and I. And so today, I think 95% of what we do is is away from traditional energy. It's it's in renewable energy, it's electric vehicles, EV charging, energy storage, micromobility, solar, hydrogen, you know, everything in and around the EV ecosystem from actually developing the vehicles. And so it's kind of incredible to look at our portfolio of companies today, even, even aviation. You know, we have specialists from the A&D space that, you know, worked with the likes of, of Boeing, companies of that. And, and, and today they're working with you know, rocket companies and Virgin Orbit and EVTOL, ver, you know, vertical takeoff and landing and electric taxis. And so it's kind of incredible to look at where we are, even relative to 24 months ago. We've seen lots of disruption over the last two years, which can create both chaos and opportunity. Sitting here in the spring of 2022, there are even more external factors at play with war in Europe, inflation, and supply chain issues. I asked Mark about the challenges he sees facing his companies, how he works with them, and how he engages on those issues. One of the biggest challenges really is su supply chain. I mean, that's such a, a, I think, standard answer, really. You, know, you could fill in the blank for any industry right now, but you know, these are manufacturer-heavy type of technologies. You're talking about solar panels that are produced in areas all over the world. You're talking about batteries for vehicles that need lithium and nickel and other metals that, you know, in and of themselves um, are, you know, arguably going to be one of the biggest opportunity sets in areas where we don't have enough in the world to produce all the batteries that we need to get to where we want from an EV penetration perspective. And so, you know, I think there really are a number of supply chain and and supply issues that are emerging just from how rapidly the space is, is changing. Honing in maybe a little bit on EV charging, we do a lot of work both as a group and as a firm with companies that are involved in the charging perspective. And, and there's really two forms of, of charging, right? There's 
there's the charging that you could do at home. And if you buy a Tesla, you get a $1,500 Tesla Connect in your garage. You could plug that into a standard plug for the most part. But then there's the fast charging, right? And so the whole network of the United States needs to be replugged so that you can go on a trip from you know, New York to Florida and be able to stop along the way without running out of battery. That infrastructure doesn't exist today, especially in parts of, of the country. And so there's a lot of capital being deployed to developing that. I think a lot of the issues that those companies are seeing is, is, is regulatory related. It's not so easy to build that type of infrastructure. It needs to be kind of connected to the grid. There's all sorts of permitting. And so you know, we're really seeing the need, the demand for charging infrastructure to be developed in certain parts of the country, but there's year, if not two year delays because they need to go through the red tape of all the regulatory approvals. And so again, I think that the issues that we're seeing are everything from you know, the, hard, the hard stuff to the soft stuff. And so, you know, companies with how fast this broader industry is growing, you know, naturally it's going to come with growing, growing pains. I think the companies are doing really well of, of navigating it. Um, you know, a lot of the companies, especially in the EV ecosystem, are relatively new. You know, they're kind of figuring it out as, as they go. It's, it's interesting. I mean, if you look at in the U.S. today, there's 250 million cars and trucks on the road. And today, less than 1% of those are EV the estimate is that by 2035, so just what, 12, 13 years from, from now, about half of the vehicles sold are going to be EV. That's um, insane. Yeah. That's like an insane number. It's, it's incredible. Right? It's incredible. But also, if you, think, if you take a step back and think about it, it's insane the pace, but it's also, that's just new car sales, but there's still yeah. cars on the road. So by 2050, only half of the cars on the road are going to be EV. So we're talking about 30 years from today, we're only going to be halfway of where we arguably need to be. And so, you know, I feel very fortunate and, and the team feels very fortunate to kind of be at the center of this space that literally has decades of, of runway ahead of it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it reminds me of in like the mid nineties when there was like a little blurb in the back of the wall street journal saying like, Oh, this internet thing uh, seems to be catching on, you know, and we're like, no, there's no way, but you know, cannabis or the casino business when I was following it, it's a secular trend over a really long period of time. And, and ICR and your group are right in the middle of it. Question for you, given the volatility of the companies, because they're in an industry that's dynamic and changing and very difficult sometimes to measure in 90 day increments. You know, when you look back over a period of, you know, multi quarters and years, there's usually amazing progress in every business, but like, how do you advise the CEOs that you deal with on how to talk about the future? in an environment where so much is out of your control? A lot of our companies, you know, are, are pre-revenue or early revenue. And so, you know, in that case, it's much more about milestones and achieving milestones rather than hitting any particularly quarters, you know, margin estimates or expectations. And so, you know, we work a lot with our clients and really helping develop those milestones and clearly articulate those, you know, I think, the market understands the opportunity that these businesses are going after. You know, case in point, solid state batteries. So there's a lot of companies that are involved in the solid state battery landscape. You know, it's a type of battery technology. But whoever figures that out, whoever cracks that code, and it's going to be several companies, whoever cracks that code changes the game, right? And we're not talking about an Audi e-tron that has 220 miles of range. Now we're going to talk about every car looking like the Lucid Air with a thousand 
miles of range, non-combustible, right? So the safety issues go away. And so faster charges, right? Not having to sit at a charging station for 30 minutes reading a book or listening to a podcast, you'd be able to fuel up just like a gas station in five minutes and be on your way. But those technologies are, they've been in, in, in development for a decade or more, but they still have better part of half decade left in many cases. And so, you know, in that case, it's really important to clearly lay out the operational milestones, the developmental milestones, and be very transparent there. You know, a lot of companies that went public in our space were in stealth mode before because the areas that they were operating in were so competitive. And so all of a sudden they're, they're not used to the need from a market Thrust perspective. into the spotlight. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's super fascinating. And I would agree with you, you know, it, I think as a management team, you have to sit there and say, look, every investor on the planet knows, you know, the challenges you face, the volatility, the uncertainty of things that you can't control. Really all investors want is they just want you to give them the information, you know, and you can talk positively about the future. There's nothing wrong with that, but you certainly have to temper things when you're talking about it on a, on an increment of, you know, 90 days because, uh, the, whatever the PL spits out, it doesn't really matter. It's the milestones as you suggest. One final question, Mark, it seems in your space more so than, than many other ones, the ESG component of the IR story is really huge. What are your companies doing to kind of get that story out there and shine a spotlight on all the good stuff they're doing as far as ESG? The companies that we work with, they inherently are ESG stories. Maybe that's more of a comment around the E, right? The S and the G is something that I think that companies need to, to adopt. But, you know, the environmental aspect, you know, going from internal combustion vehicles to EV vehicles is inherently something that checks the box from an environmental perspective. Um, companies involved in the solar industry are inherently environmentally different than burning coal. And so I think they have arguably a bigger opportunity set, but also an easier job in telling those stories. But there's also a lot of pushback because if you think about it, you know, one of the, the pushbacks to the EV space is, okay, great, you're driving around in your Tesla, but you charge it up, how? With electricity that was produced by a natural gas powered plant somewhere in the grid. And so you're even seeing charging companies differentiate themselves by having all of the energy behind their systems be renewable powered or buying renewable credits. And so there's more to it than just on the surface of doing doing the right thing. And so again, big opportunity set, but there, there's some nuances that are emerging that I think are, are really interesting. And we're helping our companies tell those tell those stories. It's clear that the lines between different stakeholder groups are beginning to blur. Tightening up the message, both internally and externally, is key. And Mark and his team help companies do just that. They help them navigate this dynamic and rapidly changing market by identifying and effectively communicating the long-term goals and the tactical execution behind them. Another big thank you to Mark for joining me on the podcast today. Really insightful and fun conversation. Really appreciate it. This is Tom Ryan. We'll see you next time back in the arena. References to specific stocks are not intended to be recommendations for specific trading behavior. Comments presented on this podcast are intended for informational and educational purposes only and do not represent opinions or recommendations on whether to buy, sell, or hold shares of a particular stock. 
All investors are advised to conduct their own independent research into individual stocks before making a trading decision. In addition, investors are advised that past stock performance is no guarantee of future price performance.